When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson beats. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. Hello and welcome to Pod. Like a Raven, the boys back here post-NFL season to talk about the Ravens, some NFL updates, some free agents we might like. We'll see if Jace is, is bothered now that there's no official NFL games to, to really get steamed over. But first, let's let's introduce who, who, we, uh, who we are here. So I'm Antonio, sitting next to Tim Horsey. Tim, how are you doing? Good, man. Playing a little hurt. Got a little bit of a little bit of a stomach bug thing going, but like Jordan's flu game, I'm gonna try and uh, try and fight through it for the guys here. I'm gonna pretend that this is the post NFL blues just eating you from the inside. I mean, it could be a combination of depression and bad Chinese food. That's that's, my, that's my guess. Yeah, well, God, let's not even go there. It could be it'd be way more serious. But yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay, all things considered. I'm gonna slide down just to just to sit a little bit further away from you than I than I normally would uh, at the table, but. Joining us from far away, about as far away as possible, Jace Evans. Jace, how are you doing over there on the West Coast? Uh, doing well. I don't think quite as injured as Tim, but the uh, pint of ice cream I ate last night certainly has not helped my stomach either. <laughs> but uh, outside of that, you know, doing well. Uh, no complaints here. Uh, just another uh, another day. Got some rain out here. Always good. Um, but uh, yeah, doing well. <laughs> What's bothering Jace this week is the amount of dairy that he ate the night before. Or just a little bit of rain. <laughs> just, da- just dairy and bread. It was a, uh, a bad day of eating. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get, uh, let's get into it here. Before we get to some sort of future, new, some news and notes on the NFL, what's, what's happening in the last few days and today, want to go back a little bit. little NFL season retrospective. Just want to ask you guys... You know, sort of like an exit interview. Where, where are you a week out uh, from the Super Bowl? And 
and what, what your thoughts were on the NFL season. It's it's weird when coming over here to to start this podcast this evening as we record. I almost had this thought of it felt like the Super Bowl was like three weeks ago. It does not feel like it happened, you know, two Sundays ago at this point as we record. Um, I'm feeling okay. I mean, I've we've talked about this a couple of times. I've gotten past the doom and gloom of how the Ravens season ended. So at this point, I think it'll really start hitting me after spoiler alert after the XFL gets a little less entertaining and uh, there's really no football um, or we're kind of in a dead period between real free agency or the draft. When we don't have too much stuff to talk about, that's when I'll get really down to the dumps. But for now, we've got enough news and notes that uh, that my NFL appetite is still is still pretty good right now. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go not a little opposite, but because I, I think we all miss it. Uh, this will just straight off the bat. What's bothering me? The NFL is not <laughs> in our lives just anymore. Into it. Uh I love the NFL. Uh, didn't have the NFL this week, and I was just like, "Damn, there's no NFL games on." I did enjoy the XFL, and we can go into later in the show about what we thought about that. But um, yeah, just the NFL's the best. It's football's great, <laughs> and now that there's significantly less live football happening, I feel like I've just been the meme or been thinking of the meme. Uh, that's like feel terrible, just want him back. But for me, just want him back is just Lamar Jackson highlights. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's how I feel. Uh, I've been thinking of football memes and uh, missing football and thinking about football. So it's been a long week uh, and uh, many more months to go until we get uh, live football again so that I could be uh, mad and stressed out every Sunday. Uh, I miss that. <laughs> just like you want to be. Tim, I, I take your point about the Super Bowl seeming like it was so long ago. I think it just the NFL, like it, it closes like all of a sudden. And then there's no like that entire next week. There's no prep. There's no previews. There's like no information. All the NFL writers like go on vacation seemingly. So there's just nothing <laughs> there. So every day seems like a week. And then by the time you get to day five, it's like, how long? When? When? when what month is it? Is it the spring? Is it the summer? Uh, as for how I'm feeling about the NFL being being gone, I'm gonna I'm gonna we've been talking about food. It's uh, it's like your favorite restaurant shuts down, oh. and you're bummed out. And then there's you're you, you're thinking, all right, well, I guess I'll go to my like second favorite restaurant, you know, when I'm hungry. And that was the XFL for me this weekend. I mean, clearly timed to start immediately after the NFL. The, the following weekend to try to just get that long tail of fans who were coming off the Super Bowl looking for for football. But that second best restaurant, it's just not it's just not the same as that top spot that you loved going to. And that's how I felt. I mean, the games are fun, some fun rules and stuff, but not quite uh, no Baltimore team, I guess, which is the other aspect of it is a D.C. team, but didn't quite uh, satisfy me as much as as much as the NFL. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to do a little bit of that here before we get into some NFL news, uh, I did not end up going to the Defenders game. I was not going to pay the amount of money that the group of friends and I would have have had to pay to get into the opening game. Uh, The Defenders, big win over the Seattle Dragons. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting. (laughs) I think some of the rule changes, there's the double forward pass, which we did not see which I was a little disappointed about. The kickoff is interesting. If you haven't seen it, um, the kicker lines up normally, but the, the guys who would be running down the field line up 
very close to the receiving team, and they can only move when the guy actually catches the ball. I thought that was a little interesting thing. The the one, two, or three points uh, for the conversion after a touchdown I thought was fun. Again, not something that I would necessarily want to see implemented in the NFL, but just little goofy stuff. Like, they were just off enough to keep you – the rules, I should say, are just off enough to keep you interested in the game. Um, You know, we, we were at a bar on Saturday, so it was filled with people who were like, rooting quote unquote for the DC teams. That was always fun to have that atmosphere around it as well. The offensive line play is atrocious. Uh, Cardell <laughs> Jones was running for his life at ever. And I don't know. I didn't watch too many of the other games. I don't know if that was uh, widespread across the league, but I think that's probably the biggest disparity um, coming for that. But it, it was enough to give you a, a slight satisfaction at a two o'clock on a Saturday. Uh, someone on Twitter called the XFL, I forget who it was, but they called the XFL the, uh, the most remember some guys league out there. And I really felt like that just all weekend, just being like that guy, I remember him in college in like 2013 and it was great. Uh, I agree with you. It's not the most beautiful played game, but it is football. And, uh, for this time of year, it's kind of fun to have, and, you know, I don't know how much of a novelty it'll be. And I think the DC market especially is probably prone to supporting the XFL. Uh, I saw a photo, one of our uh, staff photographers took, um, had signs HTTD hail to the defenders, as well as Dan Snyder, sell the team, uh, banners at Audi field. Um, so I think the uh, the XFL will probably do well in D.C. We'll see how it'll it'll fare in other markets that perhaps have more successful NFL options like like in Dallas. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it was fun, I think, uh, you know, uh, Pepper Johnson already got fired as a defensive coordinator one game in. So that was impressive. Longtime Bill Belichick assistant. Uh, so good job by him. Uh yeah, it was just exciting to have a f- football facsimile in our lives, and it wasn't perfect by any means, but I enjoyed it for what it was. It made uh, Saturday and Sunday fun. You talk about uh, a league of random guys. I saw the one one of the names that I saw in the team. I don't even, Tim, you have to say it again, the team playing the D.C. Defenders. The Seattle Dragons. Okay, these names are going to take me a while, but... Uh, this, the Seattle Dragons had uh, a prole involved very much, and my first thought was, it's Ricky Prohl. Oh my gosh, that, there's a guy that's still hanging around, and then figured out that Ricky Prohl was 51 and that this is his son, Austin Prohl, uh, who was prominently involved. So just random dudes, random names, <laughs> uh, but we'll see how you know we'll see how well it does. I did think one of the cooler things was uh, that multiple players can hear the play call from the head coach, not just the quarterback. I thought that was an interesting tweak. Uh, I'll welcome your guys' take on that if you have anything. At first, I thought, oh, that's cool. Like That's a way to streamline what is a big problem in the NFL, which is pace of play. But then I thought, what about that's going to crush home team advantage? Like If you have a loud crowd (laughs) that's sort of negated by the fact that the offense doesn't need to hear the quarterback and they can just listen to the play call in their ear, so... I went back and forth, but I thought that was one of the cooler uh, tweaks that I think the NFL could adopt pretty easily if they wanted to. Yeah, quickly, yeah. I, I think the I think the hearing the coach a lot more and hearing some of these players a lot more, like it seemed like more guys were mic'd up and even like during plays and stuff. I thought that was relatively interesting. 
you don't need to interview every person coming off the field <laughs> after a seven yard catch. I mean, that was a little ridiculous every time. So, well, and that might be just a week one thing. Who knows? Um, well, but and but one yeah, of those I thought, interviews I thought, got us a great f bomb on ESPN as well. Uh, player, player let fly in one of those post uh, uh, coming off the field interviews, Tim. So yeah, definitely uh, problems to work out there. <laughs> All right. Any other uh, anything else on the XFL? No, I'm sorry. That you you refused. You didn't want to talk about it last week. I'm sorry that we kicked off the opening ten got, minutes no, of this podcast. I got no problem with it. I opened XFL. it up, so I was happy happy to get into it. Uh, listen, it's it's diet soda, Tim. For me, it's the sure. second favorite restaurant. It's uh, almond milk. I don't know. I bet people like that. I'm not, not a big fan myself. But so, you know, we'll see. It's tough for the week one, too. Like, I, I'm sure these teams are going to get better. The games are going to get better as they as they sort of settle in. But a lot of, lot of new tweaks. I like that they're trying to do a lot of different things from the NFL to try to differentiate uh, and, and stand out a little bit. But if they're a Baltimore team, maybe I would have been a little more... Uh, absolutely, yeah, a little more absolutely. ...jacked up. But Baltimore's Raven is uh, it's ra- Raven country. So, All right, so let's move on from that now. Just getting to our news and notes on the Ravens and the NFL and the number one thing I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Tim take it because this is one of uh, one of his guys close to his heart. Congrats to this guy. So Tim, uh, first NFL note. What do you have for us? Yeah, 24 year old Chuck Clark, drafted by the Ravens in the sixth round of the 2017 NFL Draft, will be here for at least four more seasons. Eric DaCosta. Four more years. Four more years. Eric DaCosta doing some great work. Um, it looks like so he had one year left on his remaining deal. They just tacked on three more years to end to to the end of that four years around 16 million dollars. I mean, look, if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know, I called him the most valuable player on the defense last season. Uh, clearly the most improved player, unless you want to argue Lamar, uh, you know, skyrocketing to stardom. But 68 tackles. Uh, he had an interception as well. Two forced fumbles, a sack, nine passes defended. Was all over the place. Most importantly, took up the role of play caller. And you talk about the XFL, multiple guys can hear. Not in the NFL, not in the big boy league. <laughs> Only Chuck. Yeah, he took the green dot on the defensive side of the ball. Was a real leader at, at 23, 24 at that time as well. Um, this is a four-year deal that when if he s- continues to play at this level, he, he turns 28, he can get paid again in the prime of his career, whether that be with Baltimore or otherwise. I think that's great for both sides of this. And um, on the on the sad end, it, it probably spells the end, and we've talked about this before, of Tony Jefferson um, kind of further confirming that that's going to happen. Unfortunate that his, he had a season-ending knee, uh, season knee injury, Earlier on in the year, uh, couldn't really be part of this run, but the Ravens can create seven million dollars in cap room should they let go of Jefferson this year. You'd like to think if you've followed Baltimore's off seasons at all under Ozzie or DaCosta, that's the type of move they make, especially after retaining a guy like that. So I'm a I'm a huge fan of this deal. Chuck Clark throughout the year skyrocketed up my next Ravens jersey rankings. Um, I, I think the guy can play all over the place. He's smart, tough, fast, everything you want to see out of a safety. So uh, I was ecstatic when this when this broke. And it helped that it broke before we recorded this. So we actually had some, <laughs> some real news to talk about, some which is always fresh, nice. 
Yeah, I, the, I'm completely in lockstep with you, Tim. Uh, we also talked about uh, him last week. The only other guy probably is also marks the end of Jimmy Smith because you feel like the, the secondary is pretty much shored up here. You know, Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, Chuck Clark, Earl Thomas, and then, you know, maybe uh, Tavon Young, maybe. Uh, he's still under contract uh, depending on his health status. So we talked about Jimmy Smith likely moving on, and like you said, it probably – I mean, Chuck plays Tony Jefferson's position, so extending him certainly seems to indicate their, you know, the desire, the direction they want to go in. But like you said, Chuck Clark certainly earned it with his play throughout the year. And uh, I, yeah, it's it's great to um, to just know you have basically your leadership kind of in the back end locked up and uh, between him and Earl Thomas, your safety's in place for a few years here. So, yeah, I think it's a great deal. The only thing I want to add, I, I love the terms of this. For the yeah, yeah, the guy's getting paid, but it's a good good money, I think, for the Ravens. Uh, I would agree. Yep. Even even if he doesn't just sort of continue to you know exponentially improve year over year, if he's a really solid starter who is, has all the responsibilities you just laid out and is just productive, these are good numbers. I don't think he, there's no reason for him to just fall off a cliff, you know, because he's sort of proven that he's done the you know the homework done the dirty work and now he's he's a player I mean, injury is is a problem for any potential player right you can always get hurt but all that stuff aside at the low end at the floor of this it seems like it's going to be a great deal uh and the ceiling is is high if he if he continues to improve yeah this extension didn't come because jefferson got hurt and they needed to fill a body this game chuck earned this chuck clark earned this money earned his starting spot, earned his leadership role. And just two more things on this. Uh, one, we should note, you know, the GM Eric DaCosta came out via Ravens PR. This comes from Jeff Zarebeck from The Athletic on Twitter. Quote, Chuck is a great story about hard work, patience, preparation, and passion. He waited for his chance and seized the opportunity. He's a good football player, a fine teammate, and respected leader. And he seems like a guy that a lot of people in that locker room respect. I mean, even Tony Jefferson on Twitter today was congratulating him on the deal when it happened, which – you know, that's big of Tony when he when you look at that and say that's probably the writing on the wall for me. Um, and then just one more point on this too, Eric DaCosta over the past year, some of the work that he's done being in this job for only a couple of seasons now um, has, has been remarkable. Some of the extensions that he signed over this past year, Tavon Young, you talked about, Justin Tucker, Marshall Yonda, Willie Sneed, L.J. Fort, the most important one, Patrick Ricard. And Marcus Peters to go along with Chuck Clark. That is a very solid young core of guys. A lot of guys on the back end, which they clearly value now in that defensive backfield, including Earl Thomas, who signed as a free agent. Um, An incredibly shrewd move from a franchise known for doing this. And again, I think the, the four years, 16 million, he knows that he has room to improve and he has room for a massive payday at age 28, a couple years down the line, if he keeps playing very well, very, very, very well, I should say. Other really, I guess, significant note coming from uh, Ravens world is the retirement of Eric Weddle. Uh, obviously a guy who, you know, made his name for the formerly San Diego Chargers. Uh, played three years for the Ravens, filled a gigantic need at the time, and sort of the post Ed Reed lull where we just sort of had this turnover of of guys that just weren't I mean you're not going to be close to a Hall of Famer but it was just a gaping hole 
in the secondary for several years. And then, at, and, you know, Weddle stepped in uh, for those three seasons and was just such a, a top player for the Ravens. Another guy that coaches loved. Uh, I, I was sort of up and down on how productive he was as a player. Um, but certainly a guy who led the defense was, was a presence, apparently big guy in the film room, uh, a leader on the team. So 35 years old, tried to, uh, chase that ring with the Rams last season and it didn't quite work out. He was a, a year late going to the Rams, we could say, uh, and retires now at 35 thoughts on, uh, Eric Weddle and specifically his his Ravens tenure. Uh, he was the man. I was when you said he was only there three seasons. We've talked about this on and off with a lot of guys throughout the show, but he was one of those guys who felt like he played for the Ravens a lot longer uh, than he actually did. He kind of just, you know, I think became so ingrained so quickly in the fan base, and pr- I think because, like you said, the. They're just sort of wilderness. They stumbled in for a few years there, uh, post-Super Bowl, post, uh, you know, Terrell Suggs was there, Haloni Nada for a few years, but they didn't have as outgoing a just group, you know, when Ray Lewis had been with the franchise literally the entire time, Ed Reed for pretty much all the great years. Uh, he was, uh, yeah, just a big focal point for the fans. Uh, excellent beard, which if I don't know if we haven't said yet, the ice cream thing after wins was always fun. Uh, him posting on social media what kind of ice cream Sunday he had that night. Uh, he was great, and he played very well for the Ravens for those three years. Uh, but yeah, just one of those guys who always felt like a Raven, and uh, I think people took to right away. And yeah, he was real solid for the time he was here, uh, as brief as it was. Yeah, he's in that Steve Smith class of when they sign him, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, that make that makes sense. I I get that. This the, he fits that Baltimore toughness mentality that they you know they stereotypically go after those guys, especially when they're a little older. Maybe their team that they've been on for so long kind of moves on. The Ravens scoop up those deals better than almost anyone outside of the New England Patriots. It seems. Um, you guys have said it all. Only thing I have to add because Eric Weddle posted this himself. Uh, his own stats. So Let him know. I figure we should just read these out because these numbers are remarkable. Uh, these these are regular and postseason combined. 210 career games, six-time Pro Bowler, five-time All-Pro, twice as a first-team All-Pro, 1,235 total tackles, 30 interceptions, 103 pass deflections, 11.5 sacks, 41 tackles for loss, uh, five touchdowns, eight forced fumbles, and seven fumble recoveries. A guy who was always around the ball, was a very good hybrid of could play the center field, but could also play up on the line of scrimmage, could do both things very well. Um, yeah, a great tenure in Baltimore, and we should be seeing his name in Canton sooner rather than later after the, the five-year time. I was going to ask. I was going to throw that out there. Uh, if you guys had to give a you know a, a, a thumbs down, a, a maybe, and a definitely as to whether he's a Hall of Famer. So I guess Tim says... Uh, <laughs> Tim says yes. Absolutely. Jace? I, I, I'm going to say maybe his stats are when you read about like that. It, it, I mean, for this era, too, where just, you know, interceptions just aren't as high as they once were because guys just aren't slinging it blindly across the field like they were in like the 60s and 70s. Uh, his numbers are great. I, I don't know if he has the number of kind of standout moments, but I mean, you think he's one of the kind of last great players of the San Diego Chargers, like we said, him and Phil Rivers, who we'll, we'll get to momentarily, Antonio Gates, who's kind of the core of that team. 
I know when we were in college, Tim, uh, we had conversations about Eric Weddle. We were a big fan of him not wearing gloves. Uh, big back. fan. Always a big fan. That's that's the thing I'm going to miss the most about uh, Tony Jefferson, that he doesn't wear gloves. It that just takes. It was like, yeah. all right. Uh, so, yeah, I always I always liked Eric Weddle. And then, uh, yeah, I came to the Ravens. I don't know if he'll make it, but um, he has a fascinating case, uh, certainly. There's a few. Roy Butler, probably most. Uh, there's a in uh, prominently. There's a little bit of a logjam at safety in the hall voting, so he might get stuck in that. Um, but we'll see. Uh, he certainly seems like he has the numbers to at least have a case for it. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Jace. I'm sort of in the middle. Uh, people love rings. That that is becoming more and more of like the key that you need to unlock the gates to the hall of fame for some, which I don't necessarily agree with, um, especially in a sport like, you know, the NBA is one thing where there are five players on the, on the court at once, but in the NFL, there's so many players that are involved in a team winning anything. So that is an individual standard seems tough for me, but, uh, I, I agree with Jace. I think he's going to be a, maybe, I don't think it's going to be, uh, a year one kind of thing, you know, as soon as he's eligible, I think maybe a few years down the road, but we will have to, we'll have to see. So that's, that about does it for the Ravens, but a few little NFL notes we want to talk about. Phil Rivers, old Philip, officially, unofficially, officially, unofficially, will not be returning to the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, parting ways with the team after I don't have the years in front of me, but it's it's got to be fifteen. I'm sure one of you has yeah, the number. Uh, yeah, since two thousand four. Yep, exactly fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Exactly uh, fifteen. And so now he's going to be a free agent. He's not going anywhere. Uh, he's going to sign with somebody else. Is going to pick this guy up, and and that's why I turn to the two of you. Any thoughts on on potential landing spots? A fun landing spot for him, where you can uh, sling it for the next few years. So a name that's been thrown out a lot because he has also moved his family to this state is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, Bruce Arians had a lot of success with an older quarterback that could gun it down the field and Carson Palmer a few years ago. Um, I don't think Phil Rivers' arm is where Carson Palmer's was, <laughs> perhaps, but they got an incredible receiving core there between uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Um, so... It would be kind of fascinating, just Phil throwing jump balls. I think it would pretty much be exactly what we just saw with this Chargers team, where he's throwing jump balls to Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's probably the name I've seen the most. A uh, name that's also been floated out there a little bit has been the Panthers. Um, perhaps maybe the Colts, uh, if they decide to move on from Jacoby Brissett. I think the Bucks make the most sense. If I was him, I would probably just retire because he's had to have made hundreds of millions of dollars playing football and he has nine children. <laughs> but that's just me. Um, but uh, yeah, um, a very strange career. Uh, so to this point for Phil Rivers and it it seems like him just in a Bucks uniform would be kind of just the capper on what's been a very odd but successful, but also not really career. <laughs> I was going to say, when you have 45 children, he probably still has to keep playing just to get the paycheck. I'm going to raise you one better because t- the Tampa Bay, in terms of like the football fit, I don't disagree with you. I think that does kind of make sense. But I'm going to a different team in Florida because I can see Phil pulling up 
in jean shorts and a bolo tie, ready to rock it for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh I mean, it just it's a match made in heaven purely from an aesthetic standpoint. I mean, they've got yeah. a ton of funny, a ton of money invested in Nick Foles. They've got everybody's favorite American hero and Gardner Minshew already. So I understand all that. And I understand from a football sense, it probably doesn't make the most sense. But I can see him hanging out in that pool that they have at Jaguar Stadium and jean shorts and just <laughs> slinging the ball around there in Jacksonville in the heat. Think of the promos. He, he does um, yeah. seem like hashtag Duval personified. So. Exactly. That's his, all of his, you know, gosh dang it trash talk that he has. Like he doesn't cuss, but he's one of the most notorious trash talkers in the NFL today. Um, so I think that would be a fun fit if we're just t- talking fun. Um, Rivers, I'm with you. This might sound weird, and you can shoot me down if you disagree. I'm on the complete opposite side from where I was with Weddle. I think it's very questionable that he's a Hall of Famer. And I think when you turn to rings, I think that becomes an issue. They only went to the playoffs six times in his 14 years as the starter there. Uh, I remember a couple years early with Drew Brees. They had some really – I mean, the the San Diego teams of a couple years ago were always the team that couldn't get it done in the postseason. They were dominant in the regular season, and they couldn't do it in the postseason for whatever reason. That being said, he's sixth in NFL history in career passing yards and touchdown passes. But those numbers get so inflated in today's games because, you know, they're just slinging the ball around the yard way more than they used to. So, I don't know. Rivers, these last couple years and the decline sort of of that team and being just basically irrelevant hasn't helped his case, in my opinion. But, I mean, if we're just talking that – I, I, at the moment, and we talk about the ring, we talk about with Weddle, I think that hurts him a lot if you're talking like Hall of Fame candidacy. If for a quarterback, that's going to be even yeah. even heavier than it would be uh, as a burden for a defensive player. But Bill Cowher just got in, so who knows? <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, Jace, just a quick toss to what you said. He has nine children. If, if anything, that's, I think, one of his main reasons to want to keep playing and stay busy <laughs> and avoid that, like the shenanigans that's- that I'm sure go on at his house. Yeah, uh, I, I see him playing in Florida. <laughs> uh, I, I don't see him retiring, and I, I think Tim, you're right. These NFL, these passing stats are going are already inflated, and I think a lot of these guys are going to drop out mm-hmm. in the next ten to fifteen years. Yep. There's already guys that are just sort of you know first few years where the yardage is just ridiculous that they're just going to end up catching a lot of these guys who's. Uh, numbers improved maybe over the back half of their career with the rule changes but these new players are going to have these rule changes for their entire career so if if i'm him you know here's my here's my the hottest take with philip rivers he should retire now so that he can be hall of fame eligible as early as possible before all these other quarterbacks pass him in in, in passing yards because that is going to happen and you you talked to antonio about the other guys in his class i think even though Eli's stats are worse than Philip Rivers across the board, I think Eli's a shoo-in to get in. Two-time Super Bowl champ for the New York Giants, two-time Super Bowl MVP. Like, I just don't see how he's not a manning brother. I don't see how he's not getting in based on how the committee historically votes. And then Ben Roethlisberger's the best of all of them, I think. Uh, I know maybe the stats aren't quite to Rivers' level, but he's got the rings. He's got the postseason success that... Phil Rivers doesn't have so you yeah you 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 weigh Phil against you know the two other QBs uh prominent QBs taken in the first round of that draft and you think the other two get in the Hall of Fame that makes a lot of a bit of sense try to try to sneak in there (laughs) 
we before will, uh, uh, we will comes up. Jace, this is what he has to weigh. Going home to nine children, pulling on his hair all day, or <laughs> try to get into the Hall of Fame early and, and sneak in before some of the other guys. But right, let's move on from this. Uh, we will bring you the more NFL stuff as we uh, come back in, in other weeks. I'm sure this is going to heat up with free agency, uh, draft speculation, and, and trades. And we will be here to bring it to you. But we want to pivot now. We want to talk a little bit about... Let's get back to the Ravens. This is pod like a Raven, after all. So we sort of had this idea, and this was uh, something that Jace had thought up. Just pick a few moments or a few games from this season that were just near and dear to our hearts. As we look back on this team today and a year from now and five years from now as we go back to this team, what are the things that we're going to remember? Uh, and I'll, I can run through my, my two quickly here. Went to week one. I went to the Miami game uh, with some high school <laughs> friends, and this was before we had no idea what this team was going to be. All three of us predicted, I think, somewhere between seven and nine wins. I think all three of us were, were in that range. Uh, I don't remember if any of us said ten. I may have tried to optimi- give the optimistic take on ten, but I really don't remember. We didn't know how much he had progressed. They'd shown so little of what Lamar had done. In the offseason, they just said, you know, watch Harbaugh had the whole this team is going to be the most unique team you've ever seen. And we thought <laughs> he was blowing smoke. And then I sat down in that seat in Miami. And on the first play of the game, basically, that the Ravens ran offensively, it was the uh, Mark Ingram, like 40 yard run. They scored 59 points in that game. Lamar had arrived. This Ravens offense had arrived. And it was one of the most exciting games I'd ever been to because it was just utter domination in week one, which was just who knows what this team is going to be. And at the end of that game, we thought this team was, I'll put it as nicely as possible. We thought that team was going to win a lot of games and, uh, and they <laughs> absolutely did. Then my other thing, this team started out four and two and we thought they were good. You know, we had that Miami win, obviously they'd beaten uh, some other teams, but they had a few losses in there and some ugly games. And we still were sort of thinking, well, you know, this team is good, but they're not going to be the one seed. They're not going to get a bye. And they went into Seattle, and this was the game that we thought was really the, the test for this team. Like, good luck winning in that environment. All three of us did not pick them to win, uh, at least to cover, uh, in that game. And they won, and they took care of a team that we thought was better than them in their house. And the two big things from that, the Marlon Humphrey scoop and score, uh, which really turned that game. And then just Lamar Jackson at that point being must-watch television just for the NFL as a whole. Numerous plays where he was just running around defenders and making them look bad. And this was like, the you know, NFL took notice that the Ravens were going to be a team to be reckoned with. So those were t- my two my two moments, and those would be the two that, uh, that I remember. Uh, those are my two favorite games outside of the third, I will say. I The one Ravens game I made it to this year was their... 45 to 6 demolition of the Los Angeles Rams on Monday Night Football. Uh, an absolute delight to just be in there. That was the game. They did not gain negative yards on any running play. They just ran the ball down the Rams' throat. Lamar had five touchdown passes. Um, it was amazing. And that, uh, I mean, that whole stretch, Antonio, you mentioned starting with the Seattle game, but. November of 2019 might be the single greatest 
month the Ravens have ever played in terms of just pure dominance. The, the scores from November 2019, they beat the New England Patriots 37 to 20, the Cincinnati Bengals 49 to 13, the Houston Texans 41 to 7, and then they capped the month with a 45 to 6 win over the Rams on Monday Night Football. That was and, and just to be at that game and to cap that month like that uh where they truly looked like they couldn't be stopped, and they kept winning from there. They uh, didn't lose the rest of the year and calendar year, uh, anyway. And, but that November stretch to just end it with that game and just how dominant they were that whole month, it was just amazing. Um, and then I agree with you. My two other favorite games of the year are now it's easy to say because they're, you know, well, the Seattle game was less of a blowout, and I think that's what I like about that. But, yeah, just starting the year, 59 to 10 just you you know there's still questions about if Lamar Jackson you know could be a quarterback in this league from some people they you know that was an off-season debate people were having and for him to come out and throw five touchdowns and 300 some yards uh you know I think he only he didn't really rush all that much if at all in that game it was just all passing and just to see that it was awesome and then the Seattle game I think is despite being at the Rams game and how fun that was and what a great night that was. I think the Seattle game was my favorite game of the year. Uh, just cause likewise, I view that as kind of the turning point of the year. Um, they beat a playoff team, a team we thought was very good at the time. You know, Seattle historically really hard place to play rainy conditions. Lamar wasn't, ha- didn't have his greatest game passing, but just like, the will to, and then my favorite play of the year is the the QB power run on fourth down. The we talked about, it, I think a few weeks ago, that you want to go for it, coach. Hell yeah, I want to go for it. Uh, moment um, that was awesome, and I think kind of is like one of the things I'll think back about this team in that moment in that game. Uh, and it kind of jump started what we talked about that uh, they go into the bye, they win that game, then go into the bye week, and then just destroy teams for all of November and then went out in December with some several other impressive performances beating the Niners. So those are, those are my three, the Rams game, the, and then the um, Dolphins and the Seahawks game. And plus being able to go to the Rams game, Jace bonus for you. You didn't have to listen to Booger and, uh, and Joe <laughs> Tessitore. So yeah, another only reason highlights. why that was a great game for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you guys have, really hit the nail on the head with some of the best ones. So I'll just try and go a little different with mine as well. Um, Just to highlight it again, maybe the best audio clip of the season was the, you want to go for it, Lamar? Hell yeah, I want to go for it, coach. And then he points at Marshall Yonda and he's like, do you want to go for it? And Marshall goes, hell yeah, I want to go for it, Lamar. And then they have that brilliant fourth (laughs) and two play, obviously, that ends up helping them win that game. Um, Marlon Humphrey's play on Juju Smith-Schuster in the first Steelers game that effectively won that game uh, for the Baltimore Ravens. Humphrey making big plays in huge moments throughout the year, especially early in the year. Um, I thought that was that was cemented him as being probably our best defensive player throughout. Um, going to the Niners and the Jets games, I was lucky enough to go to those. Those are always fun, even in the the just terrible rain of the Niners game, still watching them being able to handle the team that would go on to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, I thought was pretty impressive. And in just a, a heavyweight uh, matchup, um, being in Baltimore, I was not at the game, but being in Baltimore for the Patriots game and 
I Who know, won that game, Tim? Uh, the Baltimore Ravens did by 17. <laughs> oh, okay. And being there with a bunch of friends who are Ravens fans and a couple who are Pats fans, <laughs> and one of those said Pats fans leaving early because they were so <laughs> frustrated. Um, I, it's I mean, a tough environment. I didn't say anything. I, I kept my mouth shut, but watching that person walk out the door with like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter warmed the cockles of my heart. Um, the Lamar spin against the Bengals. Oh, my gosh. Which so good. If That's probably listened, the play of the year. Individual. If you listen to this podcast, yeah, I was in New Orleans at the time, and I had both of these guys going, get to a phone, get to your highlight feed now. And I spent the next, I don't know, 35 minutes at a jazz garden in New Orleans just screaming about this one spin move. Um, let's see. And then one more here that I'll just throw in. Week 17 in a game that meant nothing for the Ravens and something for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Robert Griffin III beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, what a way to cap it. Uh, that obviously, awesome. <laughs> that, It's changed a little bit now with the argument of should he maybe play more of the starters, yada, yada, yada. But in the moment, just incredible. So those are, outside of what you guys had already pointed out, those are some of my highlights for this Baltimore Ravens season. The, the Humphrey uh Strip is the wrong word. Punch out against Juju Smith-Schuster early in the season probably turned a loss into a win in a game where Duck Hodges was prominently involved. What we know now about Hodges, (laughs) unbelievable. Like, that would have been a horrendous loss on the schedule that that Humphrey uh, (laughs) turned around in one play. Wow. What a a season these Ravens had. Uh, Won won 14 games, and and we're going to leave it there. They won 14 games, and they had a really good season. Uh, and we're going to be excited to talk about him next season. So let's move now to our uh, random Raven segment. Jace, it's uh, your turn, and apparently you got a got a good one for us. Yeah. Um, so we're uh, going back to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, this player spent four seasons with the Ravens from 2013 to 2016. A hybrid defensive end slash outside linebacker, he's sixth on the Ravens' all-time sacks list with 35.5. He earned two Pro Bowl nods with the Ravens and was first-team All-Pro in 2014 when he had 17 sacks. He ended his wait, wait, career. Wait, wait. Hit, me, hit me with that again. Sorry. He earned the pro. He earned two Pro Bowl nods with the Ravens and was first-team All-Pro in 2014 when he had 17 sacks. Four, yes. he ended his career with 105.5 sacks, 63.5 of them coming in his first seven years with the Denver Broncos. Yeah, there it is. Okay, got, got it. it. Okay. He is the most prominent player to wear number 58 since Peter Bulware. That's such a perfect player in our conversation above Weddle of signing these <laughs> older free agents who may or may not have had some sort of falling out with their former Franchise. Oh, and he had a good one we could discuss when we reveal this player. That's a, that <laughs> is a great out. one, Jason. We will uh, we'll answer that uh, as we close up the show. But so we really have one uh, have one more section that we want to go over here, and this is uh, this is called the Dare to Dream section. The Ravens are going to make some shrewd moves this offseason. They do it every year. Right player, right price. They're going to draft the right guys. They're going to get a Chuck Clark in the sixth round and, and turn him into a starter. They're going to get the savvy veteran who's going to come at a discount. But what if this year, without having the albatross of the Joe Flacco 
contract around the Raven's neck. What if they went out and got a dream free agent? One of those top guys that we always drool about having on the team. This is a year where they may, may just be able to do it if they can convince the right player. So the three of us are going to go through a couple of names from the free agent list that if we could dream to have this player on the Ravens, we would, we would want that player. So if any of you would like to go first, all, first of all, all three of us picked this player sort of blind, but any of any one of you, whoever wants to go first, feel free to, uh, to take that one if you'd like. And then some other guys who, uh, you'd like to see, uh, in the purple and black. It's true. Davion Clowney. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) this, um, this might stun you, but I think it would be good if the Ravens added the first overall pick from the 2014 NFL draft. Um, he's, uh, we've, we've talked about him on and off. Um, he's a free agent coming off a one-year franchise tra- tag, then trade to the Seattle Seahawks. Um, had a very strong year, a very good season. Um, he's never going to be, and we talk about what the Ravens need, and it is a thousand percent pass rushing. The only downside of this player, and he was hurt on and off. Clowney doesn't have huge high sack totals, but he does everything well. And I think could still be a disruptive force uh, that the Ravens need, especially if they don't sign a guy like uh, say Matthew Judon. Yeah. uh, Clowney. I mean, you talk about doing everything well is not only a great, Pass rusher. I mean, only I believe he only had three sacks, but was constantly disruptive in the backfield for Seattle. But he's also great against the run. Kind of that dual threat type of guy um, on that defensive front that would just be invaluable for this Ravens team. Um, another, A couple other guys in that category. Uh, Kalias Campbell has been talked about. He's more of an interior guy, but somebody that they could definitely use to match up with Brandon Williams and a guy like Michael Pierce, should they bring him back. Or Eric Armstead, who was just a monster piece of this 49ers front line that is now uh, potentially a free agent if he's not brought back. So I think I think Clowney will be interesting. I have one more name for you in this pass rushing category, though. This is very unlikely because the man is technically not a free agent yet, but his club or his team, I should say. Oh, little uh, a little, little soccer, in a little soccer chat. Yeah, it's like it's like my day job is leaking into this. They have a potential out this offseason. It would leave them with some dead cap, but a team that might be looking to revamp a little bit, kind of on. They 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 might have their new franchise quarterback in, uh, here's a hint, Drew Locke. Joe Flacco. Yeah, not Joe Flacco anymore, unfortunately. This guy also wears number 58, and maybe he wants to make the switch from Denver to Baltimore like our random Raven did, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Von Miller could be on the open market. Look, the reason we're doing this now is because a lot of these are going to get shot down as the, as the offseason wears on. These are our pipe dream picks. Maybe Von Miller says, John Elway, I'm tired of you just drafting and signing bad, tall quarterbacks. I'm tired of dominating this defense by myself. Chris Harris Jr., one of the better corners in football in Denver, is a free agent. Maybe he sees the writing on the wall. Vaughn is 31 years old. He's going to be 31 at this season. He might want to have a chance to get another ring. Uh, Super Bowl MVP, obviously. He might. Maybe it's time for two for old Vaughn. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Uh. It would be absolutely <laughs> incredible 
to bring Von Miller. We're not here to break down the 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 likelihood of these moves happening, uh, but to add a Hall of Fame pass rusher, first ballot Hall of Fame yeah. pass rusher, and Von Miller, who also owns a chicken farm, by the way. For like Jason Brown, our other guy who took up farming, our random Raven last week, we could have another farmer on the team. I think it would be a win-win all around for the Baltimore Ravens if this crazy scenario happens where Denver decides to maybe move on. From- we got to get we got to get Jimmy Seafood on the horn yeah. to start figuring out uh, crab cake deals to get Von Miller in Baltimore. I want it. <laughs> uh, that's a great and listen. This is the here's a the caveat to. The segment being Dare to Dream. Hypotheticals. The Ravens are now a an absolute premier location for teams that want, for players, excuse me, that want to win. This was a team that is so clearly one or two pieces away from being a team that's going to compete for the Super Bowl. Point, point blank. And a player who maybe is disgruntled on their team now, like a Von Miller, or a player who will take... Five million less on a gigantic contract like a Jadavian Clowney to go to a team where they know from day one this is going to be a Super Bowl contender. Dare to dream. Dare to dream. And for that, I got a guy who's not going to happen, but maybe. And this is really one of the other. I was sort of, Tim, I was waiting for you to pick uh, just stud uh, interior offensive linemen because that would have been such a. I was looking. I was other, looking through plenty of them. The other me. need that, that is left. And we talked about it uh, over the last few weeks. That's at wide receiver. We need that number one until Hollywood Brown uh, becomes the number one. We'll call Hollywood uh, like a 1B. But we need the 1A. We need the guy that when things aren't working, Lamar can th- – that ball's not perfectly thrown. It's not accurate that a guy goes and gets the ball and gets the first down and makes the play and takes some of the pressure off of uh, Lamar Jackson's shoulders. And that's the number one wide receiver available. That's Amari Cooper. That's a big I I leaked this to Jace before the episode started, and he started just like sighing and heaving over over there. It's a big body, a guy that's going to get open, guy that has speed, has the hands, and would solve so many issues that the Ravens unfortunately came across in their one playoff game this season. Is it going to happen? Probably not. He would be such a perfect fit. I mean, the Ravens have, you know, when have they sort of spent gobs of money on a, on a wide receiver? Rarely. They drafted the guy in the first round last year. So this is not a move that I see DaCosta making, but that would be tasty. Uh, my, my diet version, because that's apparently all I can think about on this show my secondary version, Robbie Anderson, a guy, a guy on the Jets who is not the same type of player as Amari Cooper, but is just a stud wide receiver with hands and it would come in from day one and step into a role that would be clearly defined for him. You know, get the first down, make big plays uh, and take pressure off of off of Lamar Jackson. Yeah, you look, there's not a ton of great wide receivers in the free agency market now. That is the type of position where they'll either go at when the secondary market comes out after the draft and in camp, some guys will get cut. The Ravens might jump in there or they might trade for a guy. They've traded for, I believe, Anquan Bolden was via trade. I believe I I know Lee Evans was a trade. They technically traded for Terrell Owens once upon a time. That's true. (laughs) Yes. Unfortunately, Uh, 
there is a former Maryland Terrapin who is very disgruntled with his situation catching balls from one Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. We were all at the University of Maryland when this man signed. Um, I can admit here on this podcast that me and my roommates got way too drunk celebrating the <laughs> incoming of Stefan Diggs to the to the Maryland Terrapins. He was drafted in the fifth round, obviously a pretty productive college career, and has blossomed in Minnesota. But had a number of issues this season. A lot of their, their wep, quote-unquote weapons were not happy with the offensive situation. It'd take a lot to get him. That's why this is a pipe dream. But if DaCosta thinks he can make it happen for a couple draft picks and maybe – uh, you know, a key player that Minnesota might need on their end, Stefan Diggs and Hollywood Brown on either side of the uh, of the offensive set. There, Tim, I'm gonna know. I'm gonna hot take you here. Is Stefan Diggs a locker room cancer? I mean, who? How many who's times? To say? How many times did you see him complaining to somebody on the sidelines of this Viking season? He was playing with Kirk Cousins. I mean, I give him a little <laughs> bit of a break there. Counterpoint too. I'm sure I don't know if I still own it, but I have a Can You Digs It shirt they gave out at a Maryland game in like 2012 or 2013. So uh, I'd be a big fan just on that basis alone to bust that bad boy back out. But uh, oh man, that would be good, and it'd be so good next to Hollywood because Digs is his contested catch percentage is like so high. He's one of the best. Uh, in traffic in the NFL, um, which is exactly kind of what we've talked about. They need almost Anquan Bolden possession receiver type. Uh, uh, that would be fantastic. Uh, just real quick, another two edge rushers who uh, uh, might be more of a possibility. Chris Jones, Super Bowl champ, also is a free agent. That's intriguing. Um, but uh, another former Terp, Yannick Ngakwe, who's a free agent uh, to rush the passer. He might be an intriguing option. And then the actual literal sack leader in the NFL this year, Shaquille Barrett, had uh, uh, 19 and a half sacks this year. He is a free agent as well. So it'd be, uh, you know, I don't know what his contract or market's going to be, but if we just want a guy who can get sacks, uh, that could be uh, some names the Ravens are looking at as well. I just have one more quick one before we wrap this um, middle linebacker is a position that isn't really talked about that I think is, is up there in terms of the needs for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Corey Littleton is one of those guys. And every time they were on Sunday night football or they were in prime time, the color analyst, whether it be Collinsworth or somebody else always wanted to point out Corey Littleton. He's one of those guys. He's a Gruden grinder, you know, all that. Here's, type of stuff. A, guy. Here's a guy. Um, incredible in pass coverage, struggles a little bit against the run, but with, you know, we're going to be depleted at that middle linebacker spot outside of really LJ Fort, um, as a lockdown starter. And I could even say it needs to be improved past that. I mean, LJ Fort, great season, but we haven't really seen much, um, outside of last year when everything seemed to go right for everybody on the Ravens until the playoffs. Um, so a Corey Littleton, a guy from the LA Rams, I think could be another intriguing option for the Ravens. Eric DeCosta, you got your work cut out for you. Bring at least three of the names that we said and, uh, and we'll be, we'll be thrilled with your, with your offseason. <laughs> More than thrilled. More than thrilled. All right, guys, any, uh, any last news and notes about the Ravens? Anything you want to talk about NFL or, uh, before we wrap up? I would just say if you have a suggestion for either a goofy topics, sort of pipe dream stuff like this, um, or 
a hard-hitting issue with the Ravens of the NFL in general that you want us to discuss. Twitter, Pod Like a Raven. I know some people will get in touch there. Um, Instagram at Pod Like a Raven. Gmail, Pod Like a Raven at gmail.com. Uh, to answer the question from Chris Main, situational stuff. Uh, if you want to talk about the D.C. Defenders, we'll put it in there for now until we get really into the draft and free agency and things. But, uh, yeah, any always open to suggestions about things. Um, you know, we can have a little more a little more relaxed on the show now that it's not recap preview, recap preview all the time. Cause we're, we're in the off season here. So always willing to do something goofy. If you, if you'd like Jace, we got, we have a random Raven to, uh, to sort out here. Can you read us those clues one more time? We do. Um, here we go. Number one, this player spent four seasons with the Ravens from 2013 to 2016, a hybrid defensive end slash outside linebacker. He's sixth on the Ravens' all-time sacks list with 35.5. He earned two Pro Bowl nods with the Ravens and was first-team All-Pro in 2014 when he had 17 sacks. He ended his career with 105.5 sacks, 63.5 of those coming in his first seven years with the Denver Broncos. Then final clue, he is the most prominent player to wear number 58 since Peter Boulware left Baltimore. I'm going to let Tim answer this, but before I... I go to him. I'm going to do a, just a horrendous impression. Tim, who uh, who you got for us, baby? <laughs> that was pretty bad. Thank you. Uh, I'm going Elvis Doomerville. Uh, yes, sir. First, real quickly, by the way, I'm just going to read off some of these names in this defense. It just goes to show you that the Ravens have been primarily a defensive team throughout their career or throughout their lifespan because these are random Ravens. Uh, let's see here. Dewan Landry, Kerry Williams, Jimmy Leonard, uh, Jamie Sharper, Kelly Gregg, Corey Redding, Zach Orr, Will Demps, Chris Carr, and then Elvis Doomerville. I mean, that's that's ten guys on that defense right there. That or that that defense is making some plays for you. I mean, when you got Troy Smith at quarterback, you're going to need it. Um, so <laughs> I, I, re- I really like the team we're building so far in Random Ravens. Jace, you want to yeah. give us the uh, the famous. Uh, yeah, technology so, story on the how the Ravens were able so, to acquire a Pro Bowler. El- Elvis Duberville joined uh, the Ravens after his contract was voided following a faxing snafu involving his agent and the Denver Broncos. They were supposed to get a tax uh, a fax, excuse me, in by I believe two p.m. Mountain Time to basically uh, qualify for some roster retention bonus or something like that. Um, and the facts did not arrive until about two, uh, according to Wikipedia anyway, several minutes, six to ten minutes past two o'clock mountain time. His contract was voided and he uh, fired his agent and quickly <laughs> signed a free agent deal with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so he landed on his feet. He signed a nice contract. But uh yeah, a very strange fact situation that resulted in him getting cut from the Broncos despite having a long term deal. Uh, seemingly in place, and then him ending up on the Ravens and uh, p- putting up 35 and a half sacks over four seasons. So, pretty Very much turn. one of those things. Why are we still using fax machines in, in 2013 <laughs> for million, yeah. multi million dollar deals? But I guess that's how agents get fired. So, <laughs> tough day for that guy, but it was a good day, good day yeah. for the Ravens for sure. Worked out well in the long term. Um, I was surprised. I knew he had great years, but looking up his numbers again, I was like, wow, he really was really, really good <laughs> for a while for the Ravens. So always a favorite. Doom. Great, great random Raven. 
I will uh, I will have the random Raven next week and uh, try to try to build out that random Raven roster. There that's, you go. That would definitely go like ten and six. Uh, all right, that's gonna do it for us, guys. We're we're under an hour. I'm so proud of us. Uh, all it took was not having the NFL season for us to get under an hour. For Jay Evans and Tim Horsey, I'm Antonio Barbera. We will be back next week on Pod Like a Ring. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.